fascinating people, insightful stories, an hour of enlightenment. This is Conversations with Charlie Dyer on iHub Radio. Do you ever feel crushed under the weight of your own expectations? Do you often lose sleep ruminating over a tiny mistake or worrying about what someone else thinks of you? Do you run yourself ragged trying to do it all at home and at work with a smile and not a hair out of place? Have you ever passed up an opportunity, a new relationship, a new job, a new challenge because you are afraid you won't immediately excel at it? For you, is failure simply not an option? In a book inspired by her hugely popular TED Talk, our guest today says you're not alone and she challenges women to look at their lives through a new lens. Thank you so much, Reshma Sojani, for being here today on Conversations with Charlie Dyer on iHub Radio. Thank you so much, Charlie, for having me. Well, Reshma's new book is called Brave Not Perfect, Fear Less, Fail More, and Live Bolder. Reshma is the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code, of Girls Who Code, a national nonprofit organization working to close the gender gap in technology while teaching girls confidence and bravery through coding. You've heard her on NPR and The Brian Lehrer Show, and she's been featured in The New York Times, Forbes, Fortune, Fast Company, Glamour, Family Circle, The Daily Show, the list goes on and on. She's been named one of Fortune's 40 Under 40, a Wall Street Journal magazine innovator of the year, Forbes's most powerful women changing the world, and a lot of others as well. Reshma is the New York Times bestselling author of Girls Who Code, that's for young readers, and her TED Talk on that topic has been viewed more than 4 million times. Girls Who Code has chapters in 50 states and partnerships with more than 40 companies, including Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Verizon, a few that we've heard of, and others. And of course, you can check it all out on her website, reshmasajani.com. That is spelled R-E-S-H-M-A, her last name, S-A-U-J-A-N-I. Well, let's start with the brave, not perfect message that you're writing about in your new book. So give us an overview of what you want people to really understand and embrace as part of this kind of philosophy and and making it a lifelong habit. Yeah, I mean, I think we raise our girls to be perfect and we raise our boys to be brave. You know, we tell our boys to crawl to the top of the monkey bars and just jump. And we tell our girls to be quiet, don't raise your voice too high, you know, your dress is getting dirty. And when girls get older, they get addicted to perfectionism and they start giving up before they even try. And that's why you see, you know, young women in college, if they don't get an A in an introductory level course and they get a B instead, they drop out of their major, right? Whereas boys would be like, I got a B, that's amazing. And all of this perfectionism is doing two things. One is causing women to be unhappy. Women are twice as likely to be depressed than men. And second, it's causing a leadership gap. We think that we have to be perfect to lead. I think the, the way that we change this is through bravery. I think bravery brings joy, and it teaches women to do the things that they want to do. In 2010, as you write, you did the unthinkable, and at the young age of 33, having never held an elected position, you ran for United States Congress. So what were you thinking at that time that made you want to step out into the public life like that for the entire world to to scrutinize you? Every moment up until then, I had done everything perfectly. I went to the right schools, I worked at the right places, and I woke up at age 33, and I was miserable perfectionism had not made me happy. 
And I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to give back to this country that had literally saved my parents' life. And I was talking to a best friend just crying, and she said, you know what, just quit. And I did. And I decided to run for United States Congress because that was my ledge. That was the thing that I was so terrified to do but desperately wanted to do. And I failed miserably. You know, I got like, you know, less than 19% of the vote. I was broke. I was humiliated. I had angered the entire Democratic establishment. But the remarkable thing was is that when I lost that race, it didn't break me. For so long in my life, I thought that if I failed at something, it would break me. And that was the beginning of my journey about just living my life to be brave, not perfect. Well, Reshma, that was something that you wanted to do since you were a little girl. It wasn't a, a whim at all. No, I, I, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely right. And uh, how did uh, you go from being a failed congressional candidate to this champion for women and bravery? Because when I lost my race, I thought about of, of all the things that I had seen on the campaign trail, what was the one thing that I could do to make a difference for, for girls and to give them the opportunity to march up into the middle class? And when I would go into classrooms when I was running for office, I would go into robotics labs and computer science classes, I would see a ton of boys. And I didn't see any girls. And so after I lost, I wanted to understand what had happened to women and girls in technology. And I took about two years to kind of figure it out. And I came up with something, a solution, a program called Girls Who Code that I thought could help fix it. And I just launched it. And so what was the original mission of, of Girls Who Code in, the, in those early days, Reshma? You know, it's always been the same. It's to close the gender gap in computer science and technology. You know, in the 1980s, essentially, you know, almost 40% of computer scientists were women. And today that number is less than 18%. So at a time where technology is changing everything about the way that we live and work, we are literally pushing girls out. And so I wanted to teach girls through free summer immersion programs, free after-school clubs, how to computer program and help close that gap. Well, you started in, in 2012, so give us an idea of how bad it really was in terms of the numbers of people that you mentioned. It's really lopsided. It's really lopsided, and, it's, you know, and you, if you talk to any business executive, they'll tell you that the number one thing that I need are, are more engineers. And you know, we, we simply don't have the technical talent in our country to fill the job openings. And it feels like, like every day that goes by, another industry is being automated by technology. And we're also living at a time where 40% of America's breadwinners are women. We depend on women to put food on this table, to pay for the mortgage. But they're not going into these jobs that are paying $120,000 a year. And in fact, we're pushing them out of these jobs. And so I wanted to do something about it. And, you know, we've been working hard over the past almost seven years to really close the gap. So, you know, working hard to essentially try to work our way to parity. And at the rate that we've been growing at, we feel like we can get there by 2027. Well, Reshma, why do you think we're pushing people, pushing women out of those jobs? It's a lot of, to do with culture, right? You know, when you think about what a computer scientist looks like, it's normally a guy in a hoodie drinking a Red Bull sitting in a basement somewhere. And little girls don't look at themselves and see themselves, whether it's in images of computer scientists in magazines and movies I mean, pretty much everywhere you look. The second thing is, and it's why I wrote this book, I think that we raise girls to be perfect, and we don't teach them how to be brave. And when you learn how to code, the entire process is about iteration. It's about failure. It's about that annoying semicolon being in the wrong place 
and you got to do it over and over and over again. If we teach our girls that you are either good at something or bad at something, so that when they do a math problem or a science problem and it come, it doesn't come, the answer doesn't come to them immediately, they go straight from this is hard to I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm not good at math. And we have to change that. Well, Reshma, let's talk about some of your successes with Girls Who Code, because over the last seven years, I would imagine you've seen uh, some improvement in some areas of STEM, which we call you know science, technology, engineering, and math, that are at least welcoming in some way to bringing girls more into the fold, yes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have 6,000 clubs in all 50 states. That's a lot of, a lot of kids. You know, we're working with uh, governors and school districts all across the country, Half of my girls are under the poverty line. Half my girls are black and Latina. So I certainly feel like when you think about the lack of diversity in technology, we are working hard every single day to change that. And that means that we're going to get better solutions to problems. You know, when I look at my girls, they're, they're looking to build apps on, you know, on climate change or on how to fight bullying or how to find a cure to cancer. And so when you have young women and young women of color that are building the innovations of today and tomorrow, they're simply going to make our world a better place. I was lucky enough to cover the uh, TED conferences as a local media person here in Palm Springs when they had a, a satellite campus for a number of years. And so I know how kind of exclusive they are. And thanks to, of course, the TED Talks being online, everyone sees them because that opens them up to an entirely different audience. So talk about how you came to give a TED Talk in 2016. Talk us through a little bit of the, the process of that, because it's, it's not everybody who gets invited. Oh, it was frightening. You know, as a public speaker, it's like the Super Bowl of public speaking, right? It's like you get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take that stage and to, like, have an idea. And I found out that I was um, invited a couple of months before the speech, and so I was terrified. And so I thought, oh, I just let me give the same speech I give all the time. But I knew that I wasn't going to get that chance again. So I was brave, not perfect, and really went deep and said, you know, what, what is something that I have experienced as an activist, as a feminist, as somebody who wants to make the world a better place that I can help, you know, that I can offer to the world? And it was really this kind of, this kind of reflection about how we raise our girls to be, you know, perfect and not brave that I saw in my classrooms at Girls Who Code. So I give the speech, you know, I get thousands of emails and text messages from women who worked at Walmart in Oregon, to uh, a woman who, you know, ran an art gallery in Chelsea, to parents and teachers and educators, dads everywhere, people saying, you know what, I do that. You know, I suffer from this. And it may, it just, it reinforced me like, oh gosh, I got to write a book. You know, I got to go deeper. <laughs> well, you write in Brave Not Perfect that this TED Talk hit a really deep nerve, as you just said, and, and it took you kind of by surprise, actually. So it did. why do you think it connected with people as it did? And, and talk more about how you felt as that was happening, how you personally felt, Reshma. I felt very responsible, right? Like that I had put this idea into the world and the world was like, yes, me too. Now, how do I stop doing that? Right? How do I stop this toxic people pleasing? How do I live a life that's full of joy? And so I took a couple of years, just like I did with Girls Who Code, when I started it, saying, all right, let me research this. Let me think about let me talk to thousands of women. Let me talk to a lot of people and see if there's a philosophy. You know, Charlie, we spend a lot of time about wellness for our body. We drink red, you know, green juices. We get to the gym. And even for our mind, the only practice that we really have in many ways is meditation. 
And I wanted to develop a practice, Brave Not Perfect, where you could exercise your mind to be brave and unleash joy. And I've done this, I've done it with this book. And it's so exciting to see the reception of the book amongst women everywhere. I mean, go on Instagram.com and just do hashtag Brave Not Perfect. And it's, it's like a mother and daughter who are like skydiving indoor, you know what I mean, to like practice their bravery. You know, women who are posting pictures of themselves, you know, and that aren't the best possible picture and saying, you know, I, I would never do this. Before. I mean, it's just really women who are saying that they're going to get out of that toxic relationship, you know, get out of that job that they just feel uh, about, you know, start building the business that they've always dreamed about building is changing lives. And that's what I wanted to do. Give us a, an example or two of some specific women that you interviewed and, and what they had to say that may have surprised you or, or made you look differently at, at the, the subject that you were talking about. Well, I mean, I talk about a story kind of very early on about, you know, Erica, who, you know, again, was his people pleaser, did everything right, you know, captain of her cheerleading team, captain of her soccer team, right? And just as she got older, she felt frozen from doing the things that she wanted to do, whether that was having a baby by herself, right, or leaving her, her high-paying job. And it's, it was a reflection of the stories that I heard from lots of women, is that perfection, perfectionism that they were taught when they were young essentially paralyzed them when they were older. And that when we thought that we were building confidence for our girls when they were young girls, we were killing their resilience, you know, as they got older. And that was something that was really compelling to me. One of the stories that I tell that is one of my favorite is about Ainsley, who, you know, and, and people always say to me, what's the definition of bravery? And I say, you know, look, bravery is not dragon slaying or, you know, saving a baby from a burning building. It's, it's living your life for you. And there was no better example of that than Ainsley, who, you know, lived in North Carolina. And during Princess Week, she showed up dressed as a hot dog. You know, not Elsa, but dressed as a hot dog. <laughs> and if we all go through life, right, dressing like a hot dog if we want to, we're going to be much happier and we're going to be much more successful. Well, as we keep talking about how you write in Brave Not Perfect Girls that were trained, you know, from very early in their lives to be perfect in every sense of the word. So talk about how girls trade in their confidence and courage for this approval and acceptance and why we keep doing this to them, Reshma? Well, it starts at 30 months old and it's often in the name of security. Like we tell our girls to be careful, you know, don't climb that, you know, don't climb that mountain too fast, right? Don't get your dress dirty and all in the name of protection and security. Whereas with our boys, we're trying to teach them how to be men. We're trying to teach them how to be risk takers. You know, my husband and I got in a huge fight about a nightlight. I have a four-year-old son. And, you know, a year ago, my son started being afraid of the dark. So I went to Bye Bye Baby. I bought the nightlight. I walk him up the stairs. I plug it in, go into my room. Several minutes later, my husband would come up the stairs, take out the nightlight. Sean would scream. We would do this dance for like a week. And finally, I'm like, what is your problem, right? Why do you keep taking out the nightlight? And, you know, my husband and I said, well, I, well, I want to toughen him up. And I said, you know, honey, if, if Nahal was a girl, I mean, if Sean was a girl, would you let him have the nightlight? And he thought for a moment and he said, yeah, I would. So it's these things that we start doing to our children, some things to our boys and some things to our girls, that then stay with them as they get older. And like I said, they start getting addicted to perfection. They start giving up before they even try. 
They start thinking that their mindset is fixed. And so the very thought of taking a risk is paralyzing. You know, they get into this place of, like, well, if I'm good at it, why don't I just stick with it? And they also start thinking that, well, if I'm perfect, I'll be happy because we tell them that. If you find the right partner, if you have the right job, if, you're, if you look good, right, mm-hmm. you will be happy. And then when we wake up and we're all those things and we're still not happy, we ask ourselves, well, what is wrong with us? And we think it's about us. See, I think that so much of the drama that we have amongst women relates to this. You know, every woman I know, like, has something she wants to do, a company she wants to start, a relationship she wants to get out of, maybe a baby she doesn't want to have. And she talks herself out of it, or someone talks her out of it. And then she sees other people doing the thing, the very same thing that she told herself that she couldn't do. And she's left with so much regret and envy. And it's that envy and regret that eats us up inside and makes us unhappy. So I think that, like, even if you're someone who's always dreamed about writing a book, right, and you see and you're working on it every day and you see your best friend become a best-selling author, it doesn't bother you. I'm a great example of this. I've run for office twice and I've lost twice. But guess what? When I see all these amazing women in Congress, it just fills me with joy. Because you know what? I tried. If I had never tried, I wouldn't even be able to watch CNN because I would be full of so much envy and regret. Well, Reshma, you write about the current cult of perfection in Brave Not Perfect and how all the kind of girl power messages online are not necessarily a good thing. No, they're not a good thing because it's not making girls, it's not making us happy. And you know what? Carol Dweck has this amazing line where she says, you know, if life were one long grade school, girls would rule the world, but it's not. And in the real world, it's bravery that makes a difference. Well, let's talk a bit about building that bravery mindset instead of the, as you mentioned, the fixed mindset and and what that entails. Yeah, so I have some strategies in my book that I would love everyone who's listening to try out. And And the first thing is to really practice imperfection. So I say, you know what, send an email with a typo in it. Don't reread and reread your emails with nine emojis and 10 explanation points. Send an email with a typo in it. I promise you, nothing will happen. The second thing I say is, do something you suck at. Every man I know has some hobby that he likes. Football, you know, basketball, tennis, fantasy football. He's not good at it, but he just enjoys it. Most women I know, they won't even go to the gym or spinning class until they're, quote, fit. We don't have things that we like to do, but we're not good at. And so I have, you know, in the past couple years started making myself go to yoga, even though I'm embarrassed that I can't do a handstand, I can barely do a child's pose, but I like it. You know, I like that, like breathing exercises and Shavasana. So it's like, I do it and I don't start beating myself up in class. And the third thing I say is like, just start Just take one step, do one thing. You know, when I started Girls Who Code, I just bought the URL. You know, I went too many steps too far. If you're staring at a messy, you know, closet that you keep telling yourself you need to clean, just do one shelf. Just start. Well, Reshma Sojani is our guest today on Conversations with Charlie Dyer on iHub Radio. The new book is Brave, Not Perfect, Fear Less, Fail More, and Live Bolder. Check out her website, reshmasojani.com. That is spelled R-E-S-H-M-A-S-A-U-S. 
J-A-N-I. And of course, you can just Google and it'll pop you right there onto our website. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Coming up, Dr. Jennifer Harvey joins the conversation to talk about her new book, Raising White Kids, Bringing Up Children in a Racially Unjust America. Let me know what you think of conversations. Write me an email to charlie.dyer at iHubRadio.com. I'm Charlie Dyer. Thank you for listening.